So our reading this morning is taken from Romans chapter 1, the first seven verses of Romans. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, sorry, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and for his name's sake we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it is December, so Christmas is almost upon us, and I have done all of my Christmas shopping. In fact, I've done it weeks ago, and yes, I am a little bit smug about that. But one thing I've not thought about yet is Christmas cards, because I am useless at writing Christmas cards. I've written them before and not delivered them, delivered them the year after. I am just rubbish when it comes to them. I admire anyone who, without fail, manages to write their Christmas cards and get them delivered. But there are also people out there who also manage to write Christmas letters. Now that is amazing as far as I am concerned. I have never, ever written a Christmas letter. I don't really have an excuse. I know everyone's busy this time of year and still some people manage to write them and still manage to send them as well. But if I were to write a Christmas letter... I imagine it would be like most Christmas letters are that you read. A rundown of the year's events and wishing people well for the year ahead. It's nice to receive that kind of letter, isn't it? And you kind of expect it at Christmas. But I wonder what would happen if the Apostle Paul was to write a Christmas letter. Well, here we have a Christmas letter of sorts. He's writing to the Romans and what he had to say was everything we need to know about what Christmas is all about. He goes about it a little differently to how we might. He talks about himself, yes, but he doesn't talk about what he does but day by day making tents or about how he's been travelling or, or about how he's a Roman citizen. Instead, he talks about how he has been chosen and called by God, how he's been set apart for the gospel, how he has been set apart for the good news of Jesus Christ. He focuses on how God has chosen him to tell others about Jesus and he describes himself as a slave of Jesus or a servant of Jesus, depending on which translation you look at. So what does he mean by that? What is it to be a slave or a servant of Jesus? Well, slave can be described as someone who is wholly subject to someone else. Is in effect saying he is completely owned by Jesus. He has no standing apart from Christ. Would we be willing to make that same claim, I wonder? Would we be willing to start our Christmas letters saying about how God has chosen us to tell others about Jesus, about how we are meant to share our faith with other people? What would happen if instead of talking about our jobs or our schools or hobbies or whatever it is that we talk about, if we started talking about how God has used us to tell other people about him? What would happen 
if we were to say that we were slaves of Jesus? Well, I'd hazard a guess that some people would think we're a bit weird. It would probably sound a little bit overly keen, but not in a good way. And I dare say it might seem that we're a bit out of touch with reality. You know what I mean. We've all met someone who is so much in a Christian bubble that they seem like they've forgotten how to relate to the rest of the world. And that would be a risk. But how amazing would it be to be identified as a slave of Jesus? How amazing would it be to be known as being his servant? To be known as a messenger of his? It would certainly make your letter memorable. And you know, Paul, who was a slave of Jesus, talks a lot in his letter about how his faith does relate to every day. There's nothing wrong with being known for that because if people know that we belong to Jesus, when people talk to us, surely they'll find out that we're just ordinary people living ordinary lives with ordinary problems and ordinary situations that we come across every day, just like everybody else, but that we're dedicated to following Jesus. Paul doesn't call himself a slave of Jesus and then acts like he's got nothing in common with those who will be reading his letter. He says he's the same as the Christians in Rome. He too struggles with sin and needs forgiveness. He too is tempted to do wrong and tempted to do things that aren't necessarily helpful. He too gets confused and has the same struggles in staying committed to his faith. When we do talk to people about our faith, it's important that we're honest about our struggles too. Following Jesus isn't a magic cure to life's problems. We still have ordinary lives just like everyone else. The difference is we have Jesus walking with us through it all. So when we talk about our faith, let's admit that we fail, that we have struggles and that sometimes we doubt. And all of that is normal life. But we're dedicated followers of Jesus in the midst of that. Now we all know it, but let's just remind ourselves about how good the good news of Jesus is, about what exactly the gospel is. Well, the gospel is ancient and eternal. God promised to send a saviour right back in the days of the prophets in the Old Testament. It wasn't a new idea. The message of Jesus goes right back to the start. The gospel is about God's son, Jesus, first and foremost. It's about Jesus and what he did dying on the cross in our place. Paying the price for our sins so that we might be put into a right relationship with God. The message isn't the gospel if we only talk about what we do, or about following commandments or doing the right things. The good news of Jesus isn't a list of rights and wrongs, but it's about a relationship with Almighty God. The good news we share is about Jesus who is like no one else in the universe. He has human human ancestry, uh, yet he is God from eternity. Consider that with me for a minute. When Jesus was brought into the temple at eight days old, after um, he he was at the same time eight days old, and he was without beginning. When he was a toddler, his legs grew strong enough to support the weight of his tiny body, while all along he was powerful enough to keep Jupiter from smashing into Saturn. In his father's woodshop, he learned for the first time how to nail two boards together, while at the same time he was the one who put the world into existence in the first place. It's good news to know that Jesus is both man and God. Paul explains that Jesus was a descendant from the family of David, and we've heard about that already. 
But he was born in the flesh. So Jesus was a true man. Yet Jesus is also the son of God. The one who has the power of God. The one who has the spirit of holiness. The one who has the power to rise from the dead. Martin Luther explained it this way. The wood of the manger is also the wood of the cross. We prepare ourselves through Advent for the birth of Jesus. But we know that that birth will be followed by the gruesome death. We're preparing ourselves for the cross as well as for the manger. For the whole of incarnation. The whole reason that Jesus came to earth at Christmas time. We're preparing ourselves for the surprise of a God-made human. And we must remember that historically Paul doesn't celebrate Christmas as we do today. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's massively changed even since it was introduced in the 4th century. But he knew it as the incarnation, the revelation of God in flesh. In Jesus Christ, he is the revelation of God to the world, lights to the nations. This birth in a manger... This incarnation of God in flesh creates a new time and a new space and a new possibility. Life as we know it has changed. It's no longer about success or happiness or security, but about receiving grace and about obedience of faith. It's about being called to live a new adventure. We're called to belong to Christ, which means actually living out our faith in our normal everyday lives. Just think about that for a minute. God loves us so much that he came down to earth to us. God in human form to save us from our sin. The result is that Paul could write to the Romans and now to us, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. We have grace. He offers us grace rather. And that really is good news that we shouldn't keep to ourselves. God has not just saved us from something, which is sin, but he saved us for something, which is service, a life in service to him. He put it this way, through him and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to obedience that comes from faith. Jesus gives us the gift of forgiveness. Jesus makes us apostles sent out to share his word. He gives us faith that leads to obeying him. And Jesus came to bring his faith, his grace and his forgiveness to all nations. All people, including you. Paul says, meaning the Roman Christians, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Paul's got other people in mind from the beginning. God has worked faith in Paul's heart, giving him a heart for other people. Wanting all nations to come to forgiveness and hope in Jesus. And and Paul says... That they are loved by God and called to be saints. As I already said, this Christmas letter of sorts is different to any we might write. Paul is writing to people he's never met and to people that he's only heard about, and yet he says it like it is. The Christians in Rome are loved by God. The Christians in Rome are saints, they are holy ones. The question is, though, how can he say that? Talking about them as holy people when he's never met them. He doesn't know anything about them. Well, it doesn't actually matter because Paul knows enough to say that because of what he knows about Jesus. You see, Jesus makes us holy. Jesus offers us forgiveness and puts us right with God. Our actions might not always be right, but 
when we've been forgiven and when we ask God for forgiveness, when God sees us and sees the faith in our hearts, he sees the holiness of Jesus instead of our sins. How can Paul call these people saints? Because God calls them saints. Because Paul knows that through faith these people have the holiness of Jesus. And because of that, it means we need to act differently when we're thinking about other people. Instead of reserving the right to reject people, instead of always remembering their faults, instead of making people prove themselves with their actions, instead of second-guessing whether people are truly faithful, Paul's letter should get us thinking about talking about other people as chosen by God, about talking about other people as loved by God, made holy by God. What would happen if we openly told people that God loved them? What if we told people that they didn't have to do anything to earn God's love? What if we told people that they had a place in God's family because of Jesus? I wonder what people would say or how long it would be until they asked what the catch was. Or until someone questioned who really belongs in God's family. People might even doubt that they belong or that God really does love them. But here's the thing. God sent Jesus to become a baby born in a manger for everyone. And he sends us to spread the good news to all nations. When God says he'll save us from from sin, all people are included. We are slaves of Jesus. Jesus who came to give us life after death. Jesus who came to give that gift to other people too. Paul's letter to the Romans might not look like a Christmas letter, but it does focus us back on the reason Jesus was born. And that's to save all people from their sins. And that, of course, is what Christmas is all about. So as we read God's Christmas letter, as we think about the manger, know that we are loved by God. Despite the fact that we all get things wrong from time to time, God's love reaches out to all of us. In Romans 5 verse 8, he writes, While we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's amazing love. And it's that love which calls us to be saints, which calls us to be holy. It's that love which gives us a fresh start through forgiveness of sins and a new relationship with God. And I don't know about you, but I think that's truly amazing. Nothing we can do brings us holiness, but God's grace does. His unending love, which reached out to the unlovable, rebellious sinners, and gave us his son. And it's through his son that we have peace. Jesus came as saviour of the world, for all nations, which includes me and it includes you. God sends his good news to all the world, and he wants everyone, including you, to hear and believe. Listen to his call. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. And as you think about that message, share it too. Share the good news of Jesus, just as Paul did. Christ, born in a manger for all people. Amen.